The sun is shining in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hello again, everybody. This is Harry Carey. That's the most asinine marketing I've ever heard of. Live. Brian sends one a deep left way back. It is gone. A three-run homer. In the entertainment capital of the world. Didn't matter what the count was. It's the T.C. Martin Show. to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Oh, my goodness. That's the longest home run to center field we have seen in this ballpark. T.C. Martin. Way back in my feet. It could be. Cubs win. Cubs win. Cubs win. Holy cow. Look at the left fielder. He has the ball yet. He has not won. And here comes the Cubs out on the field. And a fabulous Friday, and welcome to the world-famous Superbook inside the Westgate Las Vegas. T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo in the house. Another jam-packed show coming your way today. We've got NFL training camps to talk about. Major League Baseball, plenty of games on the docket. Intriguing AL matchup we'll dive into today with the Astros hosting the Rays. And, of course, it's fight week. We love fight week here in Vegas. And for the undisputed welterweight championship of the world tomorrow night at T-Mobile Arena, it is Terrence Crawford and Earl Spence Jr. Somebody's O has got to go. And uh, it is definitely one of the most anticipated boxing matches here in Las Vegas in a long, long time. This is six-plus years in the making between Terrence Crawford and Earl Spence Jr., and uh, we will dive into that today with our good friend John Murray, the executive director of the sportsbook here, the Superbook, and the Hall of Famer is going to join us today, the one and only, he's fair, but he's firm, the great referee, Joe Cortez, as I like to call him, Jolton Joe Cortez, the international Boxing Hall of Fame referee. So he'll be in the house joining us today, breaking down Terrence Crawford and Earl Spence Jr. Looking forward to that. And we'll also talk some UFC today as well, too. Big time rematch with UFC 291, which will be taking place in Salt Lake City and uh, Dustin Poirier uh, uh, against Justin Gagey. So we look forward to that as well, too. That fight is virtually a pick 'em, just as is the Crawford Spence fight is a pick 'em as well, pretty much in boxing terms. Anytime you get like a minus. 140, 145, that, that's a pick em, and that's what you have in both of these fights. So looking forward to that. A lot to cover here on the show here today from the uh, Westgate Las Vegas. And Marco D'Angelo is back from his uh, gallivanting around Southern California. Uh, you're looking good. You're looking tan. Uh, thank goodness I didn't see any Speedo pictures. And uh, I'm back from my East Coast slash, well, it wasn't really East Coast. It was West. Midwest. Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. So Seattle, Minnesota, Chicago for me, and uh, good to be back here at the Westgate. What's going on, my friend? I'm just sitting here, beautiful day in Vegas. Uh, what is it, like 150 or something <laughs> out there? Um, Don't exaggerate. I think it's only 109. <laughs> okay, yeah. Let's let's get the current temperature now. Let's let's see. It's how. been ridiculous. Let's see. Numchuck, what's the breaking news? And now Numchuck is saying that uh, he wishes that he was here with us because it's. 
It's 71 degrees in the beautiful Superbook. Yeah. Numchuck, what is your temperature in the studio? It is currently 92. <laughs> Inside the studio. <laughs> wow. And outside, Numchuck, what is it? Rare. 106. Well, that's it, 106. I mean, yeah. come on. That's a picnic, man. Hey, I'm sitting here looking at, I could be a Del Mar. It's on the, you know, it's on one of the screens here at Westgate. And, yeah, I would, I love doing a show with you, but... Uh, I'm sorry. If you give me the choice between being at Del Mar and being here, I'm going to take Del Mar 99 out of 100 times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. How was Del Mar, man? Uh, I didn't have a lot of winners, uh, so we didn't come up. Last year was a good trip. We came home with more money than we went with. This year, that's not the case. Listen, but I'm not talking about that. No one's I talking about that. I ate good. There you go. I ate In the weather, good. and I saw your seats were good. You are in the yeah. turf club most of the time? We were in a turf club Sunday. We were in a clubhouse on uh, Saturday and Friday, which, as you know, is opening day is a zoo. Uh, we were just in regular seats that day because you've, they sell out as soon as they go on sale. And I bought them the day they went on sale it's ridiculous but yeah great time weather great as always uh, there and i stayed right in del mar you know uh, airbnb that i was just a block off off the beach so it was good but the eating was excellent did we, you connect with uh, my man double b i did not connect with double b i kept looking in the program see if he had anything you know running i didn't see anything yeah. and uh, i was quite content where i was sitting and eating as I was watching the races. Because right, he yeah. told me, he said, tell Marco to come on down. I said, Marco's indisposed. He's in the turf club. Go, excuse me. <laughs> that was it was a nice experience. Uh, the turf club, uh, that was the first time I was in the turf club there at Del Mar. So. And the eye candy was good, especially oh, the, on opening I, day. Oh, the, I think I might have sent you one of them. Yeah, you did. You did. I was just, just a little taste. I was just wondering if Mrs. Marco, uh, you know, had a little bit of problem with the, the eye candy, or were you sly about that? That one, I was on. I was on a trip to <laughs> bet on my, you know. In, uh, so you gotcha took my bet. advice on that. There gotcha, you go. You, you gotcha break away, and there you yeah, go. Yeah. There you go. Because you guys kept saying, "Whoa, send pictures, send pictures." So you know, it's. I had to do what I had to do. Yeah, that's you it. Know? There you go. You are our, you know, in the field correspondent there. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah, Delmar. August is usually middle of August. First middle of August is, is my time that I usually go. Hopefully I can find a window to do that as well, You're too. You're a busy man. I don't know how you're going to do it. You're all over the country. You've got this show. You've got to do the aces on the road, the home games. with. It's tough to be you. <laughs> Next week, man, back on the road, New York. I'm looking forward to New York. I know you are. Yeah. Uh, the timing was just... You talk about everything working out perfect for you. Who's playing in New York that week? The Yankees are playing. Well, they always play. <laughs> but they're not always at home. Well, they're not always at home. <laughs> but okay. they are at home next weekend. Yeah, who they who are they playing? The world champions. Okay. That's it. Right. Yeah. That's funny. The world champions and the world champions are going to be there. The Aces playing on Sunday in Brooklyn. The Barclays Center against the New York Liberty, which everyone is anticipating, okay, that's going to be the WNBA Finals, but maybe not so fast. Watch out for the Connecticut Sun. But, yeah, the world champion Aces in town, the world champion Houston Astros in town at Yankee Stadium. So looking forward to that. So that's my Saturday. Sunday, obviously, we got the game. I'm going to go in Friday night and uh, in, enjoy that as well. And, obviously, again, I'm going to get a Broadway show nice. in as well with my daughter. So. That's That'd be, be cool because you know I know you know your daughter in the theater and everything. Yeah. That's going to be a cool experience. That's yeah. you know well, that that's a good be, you, father son you know father daughter 
it, it, it used to be a kind of a tradition when you know she started really falling in love with theater that we would go to New York, uh, try to go like once every couple of years, and it was kind of cool. One year, and you know me, I'm, you know, I, I'm I'm that guy, and sometimes I get frowned upon by the rest of my family that I got to squeeze in a baseball game or something else at that time, right? So. Uh, you know, took my daughter to Yankee Stadium at a very young age, uh, and again, you know, check, you know, do the Broadway play. So we, you know, you know, sandwich in a whole bunch of food uh, as well too. But she actually performed when she was in high school. Uh, I didn't believe her senior year in high school. She got to perform at Carnegie Hall, nice, which was really cool. Yeah, it just happened to be on the same night that there was a World Championship boxing event at Radio City Music Hall. And talk about things like working out. So her performance, it, I believe it started like at, at 7 or 7.30, right? And I said, how, how am I, I going to do both things? How am I going to do it? Well, here's the thing. When you have these championship boxing events on the East Coast. They're later. They're later. It didn't start till midnight. So here, I'm huffing and puffing and walking from um, Carnegie Hall to Radio City Music Hall. And made it by the opening bout. Of course you did. No Nito Donaire and uh, against Rigandau. I'll never forget that fight. That yeah, was a big fight. And uh, yeah, so okay. I got I got to squeeze it the all The big in. question though. Yeah. I got the big question. You got you're going to a Broadway show. Um, those are a little harder to get comps to. Did you have to actually <laughs> buy them? <laughs> Today in the world of sports, let's take a look. <laughs> You're going to hate me if I if, – because I think you guys know the answer. You're right. You, you don't get comps on Broadway. You don't. Okay. Yeah. I'll just say this. My longtime friend lives in New York and uh, went to college with one of my best friends. He bought the tickets. Of course he did. <laughs> okay. No, I this, – this is a serious question, Okay. We all have our contacts in our phone. Yes. You know, okay. yeah. And you put the person's name and then maybe in a second line, you know, what company he's with or, you know, who he covers, sports. Do you categorize yours on who I can get what from? <laughs> <laughs> this guy's good for, you know, steak dinners in Chicago. This one's good for d- tickets at Wrigley Field. Here, let's, let's put it to a test. Let's say, g- g- give me somebody and then, well, I'll, I'll go to my contacts. Like, uh, Dusty. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, that, that that doesn't need to. Uh, no. Yeah, there's, that's there's not, that, that, no. Uh, yeah, Marco D'Angelo, right here. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, losing bets. There he goes. Says <laughs> yeah. so right there on the line. Yeah. <laughs> Equals cop dinners. Yeah. That's beautiful. <sighs> Jay Schrader has the same thing in his phone. <laughs> yeah, I missed you guys. <laughs> I bet you did. Oh man. All right. Uh, let's talk a little Major League Baseball. Shohei Otani, the news that came out yesterday, we talked about it, staying with the Angels. We talked about this. I tried to say, you know, oh, they got to trade him, got to trade him, got to get some value. You and I talked about this. It's like Artie Marino is saying, I'm going to milk every last dollar I can from this fan base while Otani is in my stadium wearing my uniform. And that's what he's going to do. Now, he's holding out a little hope and trying to sell fans on, hey, you know, we go on a little win streak here. We sneak in the playoffs. Anything can happen. And the Angels and the word playoffs just don't go together <laughs> in the same sentence. They don't. But if you look at the standings right now, they're in breathing distance 
of maybe getting a wild card. So I understand what he's doing. I do. Because you're not going to get the true value anyway. By the way, the trading deadline is coming up August the 1st. That's next Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific. All right? So they got till then to make a deal. But I don't see him making a deal. I, I just think that he wants to hold out hope. And I love the quote from the GM, uh, Perry uh, Minnesian. He says, we're going to roll the dice and see what happens. Well, you're rolling the dice all right. Well, when we talked about it last week, I said, you know, I was on the fan base of they should trade him to try to get the prospects. You don't want to end up getting nothing for the best player in baseball. And I said, but the next week's going to have a lot to determine what's going to happen. They need to win going into the trade deadline for them to justify not doing it. The only thing I wouldn't have done, TC, is I wouldn't have come out and said, we're not trading. That's it. Why not just leave it out there right up until the last minute because you're leaving the door open for an offer that might have been too good to pass up. Right. You know, you're absolutely right that, you know, the bargaining chip, because everybody knows that they're going to have a hard time signing him, but still, if you get to that last minute, there's going to be some team that needs that player, and we talked about it before. Trade deadline, there's three things the teams want. They either want a hitter, a pitcher, or a closer. Okay, that's what every... You get two out of three with one player. Exactly. <laughs> okay, there's never, you know, we love to throw that, the the uh, in vogue term is generational talent, okay? Yeah. This is not, this is all of base. There has never been anybody like Otani, okay, that has done, you know, people might, you want to say, oh, well, Babe Ruth was a pitcher. It wasn't the same as what we're experiencing right now. And you can't tell me, that there's not a team that, you know, you don't get that window very often to win a, a championship that wouldn't sacrifice, sell the farm to get a player like that. So I would have left it open to the last minute. But now that they're in contention, they have a chance. Yeah, go ahead. Milk all you can get out of it. And maybe, maybe you can sign him at the end of the season. But if you want to play devil's advocate, what if you would have traded him? Got all these prospects and beefed up your team and went back at them in the offseason. Here's the thing. okay. In order to make a trade, it takes two to tango. It takes two. I got to believe that the Angels did their homework and we're trying to you know, fish around, okay, what can we get? And I don't believe anybody is going to deal out the type of prospects that you're talking about, and not just you, but everyone's saying, oh, they're going to get you know, this. <laughs> when we see trades, you rarely see somebody give up the farm. Okay, They're usually going to throw in an aging veteran or a guy that still has some mileage in the tank, and then they're never going to give you their top prospect, but they might give you maybe their number two and three prospect or somebody who maybe was in, in double A that, you know, that they drafted maybe in the third or fourth round. Okay. So you get a package. Okay. It's usually a package of maybe three players and uh, in, in future draft picks or something like that. So yeah, with Otani, you if you're the Angels, you're already Moreno, you're gonna you wanna say, Okay, I I do. I, I want your your top two studs that can be readily available to play next season opening day. I just don't think there's a lot of takers with that because 
first of all, you're going to have to sign Otani to a record-breaking contract. Do you have the dollars to do that? So you've now eliminated at least two-thirds yeah, most of, of, the, of the field. Yeah. Right? So you, there's only maybe four teams that would be in the running to do that. And honestly, those four teams that we're talking about would be like the Dodgers, the Yankees, maybe the Phillies, maybe the Red Sox. I'm not sure what their farm systems look right now, okay? Because they've made some big deals, some trade deadline moves in the past or whatever. So if you're the Angels, you got to be smart. Yeah, you, you don't want to give them away, but you want to make sure you get something in return. And maybe what has been offered out there does not say, hey, this is this is worth it to us. So maybe you do. You just take your chance, and if they can put together a little miracle run, and you're hoping, hey, okay, we can, you know, maybe get Otani to 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 come back if we go deep into the playoffs or something like that. Maybe, but I I think it's more of a financial thing. It was like, listen, let me sell as many Otani jerseys as possible. Let me sell as many tickets as possible that people are going to come in for their final, you know, 2022 home games, and uh, you know, we're going to get forty five, fifty thousand in this stadium. And, and buy as much merchandise as, as they can. I think that's all the best that the Angels can do right now. And since you're in semi-striking distance, hope that you get healthy and Trout gets back and you can get it done. But let me ask you this. I mean, how many times have we seen this too where, you know, Otani's a perfect example. People thought that the Angels were going to be a perennial playoff team because you already had Mike Trout generational talent to go with Otani. Well, it hasn't worked out. They have stunk. So just because Otani gets traded or goes, signs with someone, there's no guarantee that their team is going to be any better. There isn't, but part of the problem with Trout the last couple years has obviously been the injury problems with him. And with Rendon. Okay. And when you tie up so much money on one or two players, you know, (laughs) you only have so much money to work with. You know, yeah, you have the luxury tax and everything, but still, you you can't go out and get all the other pieces that you want. That's been one of the problems. That's why when when you've got a guy like Otani, you actually have two players in one. You really do. You can't say that with anybody else. But let me ask you this much. If they do sneak into the playoffs, and I'll say this much, if they do sneak into the playoffs, you know, they have as good a shot as anybody else because is there anybody in the in the American League right now that you could say is a hardcore favorite to win? I know you love your Astros, but they have not played like the world champion Astros of last season. No, because they're so injured. Okay. which Pitching and, and their everyday the, the, lineup. But now their everyday lineup is finally getting back because now you have Alvarez and Altuve back. Brantley should be back here in another two or three weeks. So you're finally going to get your A lineup offensively, but the pitching is the, the major problem. The pitching is nowhere near anything. But they will be active. Year. They will be active in the next few days because they've got assets. You know, Then you look to you know, Texas. They're playing well now, but do you believe that they can carry this for the whole season? The team that Houston's playing tonight had the best April that we ever saw run differential. Look what they're doing right now. I think they've lost eight of their last ten. The team that's been the most consistent, people are still don't believe in them. And that's Baltimore. Baltimore's played the best, most consistent baseball from start to finish so far this year in the American League. But do you know anybody that's jumping, you know, up and down on the bandwagon with Baltimore? Because 
they haven't been here before at this level well, for a long time. Yeah. Let's put it yeah. that way. So I think the American League's wide open if you can make it into the playoffs. The question is, if they do make the playoffs, what percentage chance do you give them of re-signing a time? If they got in the playoffs and they won a series or they got to the ALCS or, or the World Series, then I would say it definitely increases. But the Angels would need to beef up their own roster, especially from the pitching side. So I'd probably say 20% if all of that happened. Right now, it's virtually probably 8%, less than 10%. But going back to what you said with the um, Angels going up, no, I would give them zero shot. They would, they would be the longest shot to come out of the AL because how have they done against every team that you have mentioned? Yeah. Got crushed against Houston, crushed against uh, Texas. They don't play Baltimore that, that often, but you know Baltimore's a better team than the Angels. And then we talk about you know the Central. I mean that's kind of a you know a crapshoot. It's going to be Cleveland, yeah. but clearly the Angels are worse than all those teams. They are, and they can't beat uh, Houston or Texas, in my opinion. Can't in a series. Yeah, uh, I mean they haven't they haven't beat Houston. Forever. I mean, it's one of the most lopsided, you know, rivalries going. And Houston versus Texas has been one of the most lopsided so-called rivalries there. You know, uh, playing for the silver boot. Now, granted, Texas is a little bit better this year. But still, the Astros won two out of three, you know, when they played a few days ago. Do you believe in Baltimore? I believe in Baltimore. Uh, I, I think, you know, you can believe in anybody in that division. I mean, Toronto can get hot. You know, Yankees, you know, they're, they're at the bottom, you know, looking up right now. Again, you know, with Judge out, so you, you take them out of the mix. You know, Boston has played, you know, relatively well as, you know, you know better than we thought, it, you know, too. But, yeah, Baltimore's one of those teams that they're intriguing. They don't have any superstars, but they got some good young talent. And, you know, if, if, if their pitching can be where it's been over the last two months, yeah. I can see Baltimore. It's going to be an interesting, you know, obviously they play the Yankees. Houston is still the weekend. favorite, though. And Texas is, is the second favorite. I, I just, the pitching, uh, you, I unless you go out and get somebody but here's the deal, in, Marco. in the next couple days. It, when you get into the postseason, okay, your pitching is not that uh, magnified of your You're going to go with the three-man three roster yeah. for, the, yeah. for the start. Ex exactly. Okay, so, you know. You should be okay with that, and you're piecemealing, you know, everything together. And again, you get all of those bats back, and they're healthy, then it, it makes them the favorite. Yeah, no, I'm not saying this just because it's Houston. Because I said at the beginning of the season, I don't think the Astros are going to repeat. It's just too hard to repeat, you know. With you know, especially when they lost Verlander, and you know, granted Verlander has struggled, but now you were starting to see some some good Verlander. I mean. Man, I mean, to have that horse there, especially in the postseason or in meaningful games, I mean, they miss him big time. And we knew they would. The Mets, do they buy or sell? I think if you're the Mets, you got to sell. There's no hope for the Mets. And here you go. I mean, wow. I mean, how can you sell, too? I mean, it's Scherzer and it's Verlander. You just signed them to huge contracts. Who's picking that up? Right? Padres are another one. I mean, look at that. I mean, okay, you can say, are you going to sell? Or, but they have hope there. They think, okay, fine, just a misstep this year. We've got to bring all these guys back, and we'll get it together next year. They've been saying that for how many years? I know, right? And they were close last year. They're, 
I thought that they got over the hump. Once they got over the hump of the Dodgers, you know, because they couldn't, you know, the Dodgers just had their number. And, they, you know, they finally were able to, you know, beat the Dodgers in some of those series last year. And Blake Snell, who was, you know, the big signing, he started slow, but he's pitching really good baseball right right now. They need him to go down, uh, you know, the bullpen. I hold my breath with with the Padres, you know, with the bullpen. I know they got Hater, but you know, it, what else do they got? You know, and if you use him a couple days in a row, you know, then I'm looking at a first five inning <laughs> wager if I'm taking uh, the Padres. Uh, you know, after that, so it's going to be intriguing. The matchup tonight, I really want to see Garrett Cole against uh, Grayson Rodriguez because right. this is the the guy that. They were so high on Baltimore. You know, this was their top pitching prospect, and he has not lived up to it. He's shown signs of it. They sent him back down. He was supposed, you know, he made the club at the beginning of the year, but they had to send him back down. He wasn't ready for the big leagues. He got really torched <laughs> the first month of the season. He pitched very good down, you know, in Triple uh, A AAA or Double A wherever he was at. And since he's come back up, he's had one good start, one bad start. Let's see tonight. The stage doesn't get any bigger than pitching at home, pitching against the Yankees, and going against, you know, one of the dominant pitchers, you know, of the last five years, Garrett Cole. I think that was, uh, you know, our latest food bet that you lost, right? That Dodgers game at 6-4 against Rodriguez. <laughs> uh, so, what else we got? <laughs> No, I'm looking forward to that. Who do you like tonight with, with Tampa and Houston? Obviously, the marquee game of the night. Uh, you got Shane McClanahan going against Christian Javier. Well, there's no question that Tampa is in a, a terrible slide right now. They're 2-8 and eight the last 10. But what I did look at, six of the seven losses came against Texas and Baltimore. Who are what? First place right. teams. Okay. Now, granted, Houston's just right behind Texas now. But that last game on Wednesday, and you were on the road, so I didn't get to talk to you. That was a big game for Houston. They won the first two games of the series. They had an opportunity if they pulled the sweep off yep. to... They would have been tied. They'd have been tied. And you had Valdez going, and Bregman homers in the first inning. It's 3 nothing, and you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Oh, and then, by the way, what happens? Uh, Texas scored 13 unanswered <laughs> in two innings. Yeah. They put a sixth spot and a seventh spot up. We talk about, baseball is a sport that we don't talk as much about situational stuff and teams being flat because there's there's so many different moving parts. But that was a big series for Houston yeah. and Texas. This is the first game since that game. they had Both teams had yesterday off. I think Houston might be in a little bit of a flat spot coming off not getting that last game. If they would have won that last game, had the sweep, tied with Texas, all the momentum in the world, I think I would be lining up on Houston. But I don't trust Tampa for the full game because they're when you play Tampa right now, they're back to the old Tampa. They're not scoring runs. they got to do it with pitching. The guy on the mound tonight, McClanahan, 19 starts this year, TC. Mm -hmm. 16 of the 19 starts, he's given up three runs or less. I can't say the same for the Houston starter. He's had just a bad year, but for some reason, they score runs and find a way to bell. You know, he's not getting the win, but they're they're belling him out on some of those from not taking a loss. Um, I'm looking at McClanahan first five innings. That's the way I would play the game. 
Yeah, uh, Javier was bad against the A's in his last start. He, he had six walks in that game, uh, but he only gave up one hit. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing. And same thing with Valdez two nights ago, and that was his third subpar start in a row. It was the walks. I mean, to have your two aces, you know, walk, you know, six, seven guys, a, a, that is crazy. So it's a little concern. I will say... I was a little concerned with that that the last game against Houston because it was the first game that Altuve and Alvarez were coming back. And they've been on the shelves for two months. Right. So it's you know, and neither one had any extensive time down in the minors for a rehab assignment at all. So I'm thinking, okay, even though yesterday was a day off, those guys were at the park and they were hitting you know, he stayed home, all that, that sort of thing. So I think they're gonna get cranking here. And Alvarez actually had some some pretty good at bats in that game the other night. So, I, I McClanahan's deadly. You're right. That's that that's that's scary. I still believe in Javier. And if you look at Javier's numbers at home compared to the road, he's he's rock solid at home. He's been good against Tampa in the past. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, we'll so. see what happens there. Tampa uh, is a slight favorite in this game. Too. That's what I was going to ask you. Were yeah. you surprised? Well, we should ask the guy that's coming on next <laughs> with that one because I was shocked that they made Tampa the road favorite. Yeah, we, we saw Texas, you know, you know, be in a favorite in two of those games of uh, against the Astros as well too. So, yeah. All right, we'll talk a little baseball. We'll talk a little boxing. John Murray's going to join us. We are live at the Westgate inside the world famous Superbook on this fabulous Friday. This is Showtime, Sean Porter. You know, I'm tuning into the TC Martin Show. My man, Showtime, Sean Porter. Oh, yeah, he's got a vested interest in this uh, fight coming up tomorrow night at T-Mobile Arena for the undisputed welterweight championship of the world. Why? Because he faced both guys and lost to both guys. So he is the common opponent for Terrence Crawford and Earl Spence Jr. And uh, they will get it on tomorrow night at T-Mobile Arena, welterweight championship of the world, 39-0 against... 28 and 0. Somebody's O has got to go. And I know my man John Murray is just as big a boxing fan as I am. John, how much are you looking forward to this fight? Well, I think the last time I talked to Sean Porter, we were talking about the fight when it was scheduled in November. That's right. Remember right that? Here. We were talking about right oh, it's, it's coming up in a few weeks. It's supposed to be like Thanksgiving. Yeah. Now it's July 28th. Yeah. I guess they're finally going to do this thing. Uh, yeah, we've been talking about this fight for like 18 months. It, I can't wait for this. Even go, you go back longer than that. I mean, yeah, you go back longer. to, you know, at 2019 when these guys were talking trash, uh, you know, backstage in another fight that they were both at. And like, come on, let's do it, let's do it. But, you know, the politics with boxing, it's, and this is just puts the sledgehammer on it right here. I mean, this was one that should have happened three, four years ago sure. when Bob Arum had uh, Terrence Crawford and. I'm pretty familiar with how the negotiations went, you know, for this thing. Al Heyman had Spence and had all those other welterweights in the same camp. And I loved it because Bob called him out. He called him out and just said, listen, you know, Heyman doesn't want to do the fight. You know, just quit pretending here. He goes, I I tried to make this fight. Uh, we were taking concessions, you know, but Heyman wanted nothing to do with it because he goes, Spence thinks that he can beat Crawford, but Heyman doesn't think Spence could beat Crawford. And I loved that quote. Yeah. And, you know, he goes, all he wants to do, and, and Bob Arum said this. The quote was, he goes, he's running a scam. He's running a scam because he wants to get all of his fighters, and they never fight outside of their camp because he wants to control both ends. 
and wants to control 100% of everything from the gate, the purses, everything. And there's a lot of truth to that. That's why this fight didn't get made. Terrence Crawford finally had to leave top rank because Crawford got impatient. And Aram said, I did everything I could possibly could do. So you saw what happened. He's fought now two times on his own as a free agent. And it wasn't Al Heyman that reached out to him, to Terrence Crawford, to get this fight done. This got done because Terrence Crawford started texting Earl Spence and said, come on, man, let's let's put our egos aside and let's get this thing done. And then it led to a phone call. Then there was a FaceTime call. And it was like, okay, you know, my bad. Yeah, we, you know, let's, let's all mug. And now they're both taking credit. Like, well, if it wasn't for me, this fight never would have got done. But honestly, this is the first time I can ever remember where two fighters said, forget, you know, our promoters. Let's talk this out and get it done. And so it's finally getting done, and it's one of the most anticipated fights, I'll say, in recent history. I'm glad they finally got it done. Yeah. And, uh, I've been I've been very critical of boxing for everything you just said, but they gave us Haney Lomachenko in yep. May. They gave us the Garcia tank fight back in April. Now they're giving us this fight. Yep. So we've had a great year in boxing. No question. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to criticize boxing. I'm glad these guys finally got it done. It's a lot more than I could say about uh, Aram's current guy, Tyson Fury, <laughs> who for some reason, instead of fighting Usyk or another top heavyweight, is fighting an MMA fighter. Yeah, and here's the thing about Fury. I mean, Fury was very active, especially, you know, the pandemic and right after that. And, you know, he got in there often, but you got to remember, he, he announced his retirement. Oh, yeah. So once he announced his retirement, he said, I'm done. And then now he's going, well, you know, I'm in great shape. I got all my faculties. I feel uh, think that I can still beat these guys. Okay, let's let's do this. But again, he's not like he's all in. I mean, he hasn't been well, all in for the last year. Well, if he was all in, he'd be fighting Usyk. Correct. I agree with you. Uh, yeah. Winning a fight like that would take him to where he is, without a doubt, the best heavyweight in. But don't we always we view him as the best heavyweight of he, recent time anyway? Because he is, but of what I, he did to Wilder, and granted, the, none of these guys were. Or anything close to the heavyweights of the past. We but get, we get beat, that. If he beat Usyk, he there's no question he's the best heavyweight of this century, mm. and maybe even further back than that. Yeah. But he doesn't mm. want the fight, even though he's a lot bigger. Do you than think, him. John, that he doesn't want the fight, or is it that Usyk's camp is saying, "Listen, you, you can't control a majority of the the person calling all the shots," which Fury actually can. Well, I think he can, but I heard he was asking for seventy five twenty five. Yeah. That seems like a bit much. Wow. But, uh, yeah, Fury is the A-side, no doubt. But he's a dominant A-side, no, too, for right? for sure he is. I mean, of course he is. Yeah, you're, I, I can't really disagree with that. I yeah. mean, he's a way bigger star. So 75-25. Now, if you're Usyk, okay, who? Okay, yeah, you had one major win. But, I mean, come on, no one's paying to go see Usyk fight anybody else, right? No, probably not. And, and the money that they could generate, your 25% is going to be more than you've made you don't need to fight again. I feel like the, from pay per view and everything else outside of that. I feel like these guys don't think like that as much as they should. Right. It's like, well, twenty five percent. That's ridiculous. Well, twenty five percent of this pot <laughs> is more than ninety percent of this pot. Right. So is it ridiculous? No, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I know what you're saying. It's like twenty five percent of the uh, Super Gold contest. Super, Super contest, contest gold. gold. Yeah. I mean, could be on. a lot of money. <laughs> but then again, oh, uh, sorry, we can't have twenty five percent because it's winner take all. So let's just say yeah. the Super Contest. You'd be happy with twenty five percent of the. Of the Absolutely. Super Contest, wouldn't you, Marco? Yeah, and if he has any faith in himself, what if he pulls an upset? Then what's his next fight? Exactly. Right, right Where, here Where's the pay? Yeah. yeah. And I think he would. I think he would have won that fight. You, you said he'd beat Fury? I do. I think he would. I think I know he'd be a dog, and I understand why. 
But I think he'd be a very, very live underdog. I think he would have won the fight. Let's talk about the fight that will be happening tomorrow night. Who do you like, Crawford or Spence? Well, so I, I, this is a tough one for me. So my buddy last night asked me, if you had a gun to your head and there was no odds, who would you pick? I said, I guess I'd have to say Bud Crawford. But at the prices that are out there, I kind of like Spence. I saw Spence at plus 150 for a while. So I think it's that close of a fight. I mean, I think if I'm not going to lay 60 cents on Crawford, we have a cheaper price here. Yeah, 145 here. I, I think it's a very, very close fight. I, I'm not saying I'd be surprised at all if, if, if Crawford won, but I, I feel because, in fact, with gun to my head, I'd pick him. But That's I, what I was going to say. You're, I, I think you're overthinking some, yourself, John. I think there's some value on Spence at the plus. Okay. See, the value thing, me personally, I don't get involved in that, especially mano a mano in boxing. It's like, who's going to win the fight? Who's the better fighter? You do the matchups. You're a smart boxing guy. Well, look at the Haney Lomachenko. Lomachenko. Haney was like minus 270, minus 300. Yeah. Haney won. But the value was obviously on the Lomachenko side. That was an incredibly close fight. I thought Lomachenko won the fight. If I could go back and bet it again, I would bet Lomachenko plus 240. That's what I mean when I say that. I know. Even though Haney won, I still think the bet was Lomachenko. This is a little different. You can't get Spence anywhere near that much. But uh, it's just a razor-thin margin here. That's where I'd say if I had to bet it, I'd take the plus money. Have you had any sharp money that you respect? on Crawford. On Crawford, because we opened it a pick'em. You know, I had this fight at Pick'em for a long time, and a bunch of sharp guys I really respect played Terrence Crawford. Yeah. They laid twenty, they laid thirty, and that's how you saw the price. We got a size sixty. Uh, I do think the public is going to take the dog, mm-hmm. so kind of preemptively moving that price back down a little bit, because I think the public betters are going to come in on Spence. But good two-way fight. You know, for the casual boxing fan, probably doesn't follow either fighter. And to, to get that dog money, you need, like, kind of a public figure, you know. And Spence isn't that guy. I mean, Spence has been relatively inactive. Uh, he doesn't have great cachet because of the accident that he was in that nearly caused his own death. But he has responded back from that. And, um, again, you know, Crawford has fought so many times here in Vegas, uh, not only just on pay-per-views, but on ESPN regular shows where PBC and, and, and Spence and all that sort of thing. So I think that if there was more of a public guy, it would probably be Terrence Crawford because they've seen him more with the bigger fights. So in this case, I agree with you. I think, okay, you're going to see some dog money coming from Spence, but it's not like ever-changing dog money, like, hey, I can get this guy at plus 240 or plus 180 or something like that. So I'm thinking people are going to view this like I view it. It's like, Terrence Crawford at minus 140, 145, 150 is is still a bargain. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about a bargain. I know, but you know, know, you know in, in boxing terms though, yeah. we I mean 140, 150 is like a pick'em, you know, in boxing yeah. terms, because we rarely see that. I hear you. I hear you. Um that's true. Usually these really high profile fights, somebody's a big favorite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody's a big favorite, especially during the Mayweather era. Somebody's yeah. usually much much more than minus one forty. I mean uh, look at the money. You know, again, it would have been a loser, but, you know, Pacquiao was plus money against Mayweather, right? And you had a lot of yeah. Pacquiao money oh, yeah. that came in. But I always thought I always thought any bet against Mayweather was a sucker bet. Right. If you were betting against Mayweather, you you were wrong. That was how I always looked at Especially it. Especially if you're betting Conor McGregor. Well, that was, yeah. <laughs> that was the biggest sucker bet in the history of sucker bets. Right. Uh, That's right. the biggest favorite I've, I've ever bet. No. Oh, yeah. Because you, know, it, it well, you, you couldn't put it the surest, in, a, in a number that 
was realistic to right. to what it actually was. So some of the best value in sports betting is these big boxing favorites. Like you bet, like Boots Ennis, you, you could have bet him at minus eight dollars a couple of weeks ago. That was a great bet. You know, it closed a lot higher than that. Yeah. But there was no way he was going to lose that fight. Right. Sometimes in, in boxing, they're building these guys up. They're building them up to get to them, get them to a point where they can be in a fight like Spence Crawford tomorrow night. And you can make a lot of money along the way just laying these prices. They're not going to lose. Here at the Superbook, uh, Terrence Crawford currently minus 145 to beat uh, Earl Spence Jr. And the total in this fight, to 10.5 rounds, the over minus 250 here. Yeah, so sharp money both ways on the total. Mm-hmm. So a guy I really respect took under and took over. Two different guys. So I don't know what to make of it. I would think the fight's going to go the distance. I know that's cheating a little bit when it's minus 260 to the over minus 10.5. Yeah. But I just, I can't picture, it sounds stupid, but I think they're both so good, they're both too good to get knocked out by the other guy. I just can't picture either one of these guys getting put out. Yeah, I agree. I really can't. I think this fight, I think these guys are both so great, I don't see that happening to either one of them. And if it's a good fight and goes the distance, you got the rematch. Sure. Actually, the the rematch... uh, Clause is in there for this fight as well. So for both guys, for both guys, interesting. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, 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 a bilateral contract. So it's so there will be a rematch. <laughs> there will be yeah. unless yeah. it doesn't sell. I, I you know I've I've heard I've heard the pay per view is not selling that great. That's what people are saying. See, it kind of goes back to what I'm saying. Just if you are a casual boxing fan, you may not be in love with either one of these guys. No, I know because they they both. Honestly, they don't have personalities, mm-hmm. you know. Well, is um, it Crawford's just a mean guy, right? That's his thing. He is actually. That's what Sean, that's what Sean Porter said. Well, he is. I mean, he is. He is <laughs> putting Sean on the spot. I, I, I got a Terrence Crawford story. So I, I was doing. Uh, this was going back. I think when he was fighting um, Postal. Remember that fight? I, I went to that fight. Yeah, that okay. I was at MGM Grand. Yeah, okay. So I was at that so, fight. So I'm doing my show there uh, from the day before, and I arrange a, an interview with, with Crawford. And uh, he's supposed to uh, come up at uh, the, end, the time was like 1 o'clock or whatever. And got to myself, you know, before all the craziness start and all this other kind of stuff. So um, he didn't show up, like, at 1 o'clock. So... I'm talking to you know his his staff and they go well he'll be here pretty soon but uh, he's coming don't worry about it I go I haven't eaten all day I said <laughs> can I go down to the food court and get something to eat they go yeah you'll be fine don't worry about it so I went down to the food court literally got something and go I was gone probably like four and a half five minutes Crawford comes and goes where's TC at he goes uh, he's going to get something to eat he goes I'm out of here he he goes you don't respect me <laughs> he goes he goes don't respect my time You're like. I got back and go, he was late. He was, he was like a half hour late. He will respect me. This is my Terrence Crawford story. I, yeah, I remember that fight. I remember that fight well. You're right. Crawford, Crawford's been fighting in more high-profile fights for a longer time. Yeah. yeah. I think he is the bigger name. He is. But I think he didn't, he didn't, top rank didn't have that great competition for him, though. So we'll see. They did in the beginning, but in again, beginning, yeah. but, but how can you do it when you have, like, say, you know, you had Porter, you had Thurman, you had all those guys under the other umbrella of El Heyman, and no, he's no, not, not willing to play. I'm not blaming. So you got to get okay, Postal, and you got to take all these other guys, and you know, we almost saw, yeah, well, you know, we, we did, you know, Pacquiao and Crawford, you know, yeah, <coughs> that's right, I forgot about that fight. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 I think Bob Arum's spot on. I always blamed it all on El Heyman. Yeah, I think Bob Arum's totally right about all of everything he said. Yeah, yeah. 
And Pacquiao, Pacquiao ended up getting injured, and that's where Ugas came in, and yeah. you Ugas had to. I forgot all about that. You know, yeah. yeah. All right, John Murray is going to be going to Salt Lake City yeah. for UFC 291 tomorrow night. Yeah. Let's talk about that. There's a good main event with with Dustin Poirier going against Justin Gagey. Yeah, it's really good. That's a good, good. fight. That's a like dollar really thirty-five favorite. Yeah, you know when we first for opened that fight, we had Poirier? Gagey actually favored, yeah. and it's just been bet that way. A lot of money came in on, on Poirier. That's the kind of fight. I think it was Poirier said, if we go the distance, we'll be talking about the fight with each other in the hospital afterwards. <laughs> like, these two guys, they're coming to fight. They are not going to leave anything on the table. Round prop for that one's like two and a half. You're right, it is. There's, there's going to be some big-time fireworks in that fight. That's a fight fans fight. No real belt on the line. I think the BMF belt stuff is total nonsense. <laughs> I love the UFC, but I think it's stupid. <laughs> BMF. Uh, the, the, what does that say? I can't say that on the air. Oh, that's right. I, I can't say that on the air. <laughs> Bad but, uh, mother. But the the first one was uh, was George Masvidal against Nate Diaz. Yeah. And oh, now God. they've brought it back. It's idiotic. So there's no actual yeah. belt on the line, but the fight's awesome. And the card's a really good card. There's some really good yeah. fights up and down the card. And I've never been to Salt Lake City. So I'm going to the airport right after this interview to get... Uh, Perfect. Minus 150 to the under on two and a half, too. So yeah, like, I mean, that, that could be good. Yeah. But their first fight yeah. five years ago, they're both yeah. younger men. Yeah. Poirier knocked him out in the fourth round. So yeah. these guys are durable, too. It takes a lot to get one of them out of there. So it's hard to believe this fight would end early. Marco, have you ever heard anybody say, I think this is the first time I've ever heard anybody say, hey, I've never been to Salt Lake City. I can hardly <laughs> wait to go to that. <laughs> I've never been there. I, I, I like Utah. I, I, I go to St. George, play golf. I've done that. This time of year, too. Great. Yeah. I, I've never been to Salt Lake City. I, 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 flew, I flew into Salt Lake City and then drove to Park City. That's okay. My I've been to Salt Lake City a, a few times. Actually, uh, you, you, when I was coaching basketball, we, we'd take our teams over um, to like summer camps at the University of Utah playing the Huntsman Center. So And cool. uh, the Delta Center, which is now called something else. First the, enter, the I don't know what it's called. Smart yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know. When I I could hear somebody saying I'd say myself or you say John like you know years ago I mean that Carl Malone John Stockton Thurl Bailey area yeah I want to go I want to go see the Jazz because yeah. that, that was some crazy atmosphere I yeah. think we're gonna have those, a crazy those Kings tomorrow. those Kings Jazz series way back in the day yeah Woo, that was crazy oh for sure well the Jazz are I think the Jazz are on pace to be good yeah. soon as well I well you come good. back and get your normal uniforms together I can't yeah. uh, these flaming hot Cheeto uniforms are wearing well, what is this uh, those are no good the Jazz, the jazz have had some classic <laughs> uniforms too the Carl Malone era ones with the yeah. mountains the yeah. Yeah. yeah that was a good uniform yeah there you go all right uh, NFL real quick before you go to the airport here mm-hmm. uh, notice that the Raiders season win total is uh, dropped down to six and a half now. Yeah. Now is a lot of this because of of, jo- of Josh Jacobs and holding out, or or no. is it, or, or are they just people just thinking, okay, this team's going to stink? Some uh, some really sharp groups on the under. Some really uh, so teams we've seen these sharp groups go under. They used to call them the Redskins, then the football team. Now they're the Commanders, <laughs> and then they're changing their name again next year. Yeah. They bet them under. They bet New England under, which surprised me a little bit because I really like the I like the switch of offensive coordinators there. Mm-hmm. From I mean, basically anyone replacing Matt Patricia is good, but I like Bill O'Brien and uh, and and uh, the Raiders under mm-hmm. Raiders under some really sharp syndicates have gone under that that number and and it makes sense you know it, it, that division is going to be brutal. Kansas City is the defending Super Bowl champion. The Chargers are loaded. Denver is going to be much better. Denver is going to be a much improved team with a real NFL head coach in there. <laughs> Uh, they, they should be a lot better. So the Raiders, are, they got a tough schedule. 
are people the buying? second toughest schedule yeah, in the it's NFL? T- if it's you look tough, at it. man. Yeah. Are they buying into the Jets hype? Yeah, we've taken a lot of money on the Jets. Uh, we took a lot. Of, we took a lot of money on Miami as well. It's funny. The, the the forgotten team is Buffalo. Nobody's betting on Buffalo. They're all betting the Jets. They're betting Miami. Uh, no one's talking about the Bills at all. It's like it's like we all forget the fact that they were probably the highest power rated team in the league all year. Mm-hmm. They were they were a six point favorite in that divisional playoff game. They lost to the Bengals. They were a road favorite against Kansas City during the regular season. They won the game as a favorite on the road in Arrowhead. And now no one is even looking at them. It's funny you bring that up because I was looking here at the Superbook at the season win totals when we were talking about the Raiders, and that's what caught my eye. Buffalo at 10.5. And, mm-hmm. and I'm saying, like, I usually don't play many season win totals, but I like that over at 10.5. It's because of the perceived improvements for Miami and New York. I'm not, I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm just saying right. Like, right. those two teams have been upgraded so much in the public eye, especially the Jets that something has to give in that division. That's why you're seeing under money on New England, and Buffalo, is, is their rating is down. Uh-huh. We saw the hype last year with Denver getting Russell Wilson sure. you know, all summer long, and yeah. we saw how that didn't work out. All right. no, I agree. Uh-huh. And, and it's, it's kind of similar in the sense that Denver had a good defense. Mm-hmm. The Jets have a great defense. Uh, I think the Jets have a little bit more in terms of playmakers there. And the Jets don't have Hackett as their coach. Yeah. They have any other person as their coach. <laughs> How about Sean oh, Payton's comments? He is actually their OC now, right? I right. Yes. So yeah. I, I meant as their head coach. And uh, and speaking of that, and we touched upon this yesterday, how about the comments that Sean Payton made regarding uh, the job that Hackett did or the job that he didn't do? And uh, it's funny because when he met with all of the local reporters there in Denver, he he was kind of close to the vest. But then when he sat one-on-one and did the USA Today interview, he comes and says, this is one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL last year. It doesn't happen often where an NFL team or an organization gets embarrassed. And that happened here. Part of it was their own fault relative to spending so much bleeping time trying to win the offseason. The public relations, the pomp and circumstance, marching people around and all that stuff. He goes, yeah, he goes, there's so much dirt around that. He goes, there's 20 dirty hands, you know, in this. And he goes, uh, you can blame the parents for this. <laughs> Meaning his his own staff. Same GM, same president, and, and, and he just goes on. I agree. But didn't, uh, you guys might remember this better than me, but wasn't what happened was they, they bought the, the Waltons bought the team after they'd already hired the coach, and then they... They let him have a season, I guess. Yes. yes. Like, he was always going to get fired. Like, Ron Rivera is going to get fired by the football team after this season or during this season. You think so? Yes, because they're going to want to bring in their own person. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The Uh, new ownership group. Rivera's got a, you know, he's he's pretty well respected and liked, Unless he has a really, really good year. Yeah. The the new ownership group is going to want to bring in their own guy. Yeah. Yeah. that's, he was Dan Snyder's guy. You're right about that. Now, in Denver, yeah. they, anybody would have wanted to bring in a new guy. <laughs> right. But I, I do think Rivera will be the first coach fired. He is John Murray, the executive director here at the Superbook, and John is on his way to Salt Lake City, brother. Can't wait, man. You All guys right. make fun, but I've never We're been We're not there. making fun. New place got, to go, Marco. You got, some good, you got some good restaurants in Salt Lake City. I think, I think I'm going to have some good, good time. You will. All right, send some pictures, man. And and you'll definitely enjoy the fight tomorrow night. Oh, no doubt. Great venue. So that is a cool deal. And then he's off to Del Mar next week. Yeah, now that's going to be fun. I've been there. I know my way around. And Dodgers Padres, too, next week. Yeah, that's true. Attaboy. That's going to be good. All right, brother. Appreciate you. Thanks, man.
All right, we continue on here. Non-stop sports talk to the 4 o'clock hour. It is fight week here in Vegas. We'll talk more. Crawford Spence, Jolton Joe Cortez, the Hall of Fame boxing referee in the house. Guests are plenty just rolling through here as well, too. So we'll continue more of that. Marco D'Angelo, TC Martin with you right here inside the Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas.